0: to get stuck in yes
1: all right so do you want me to do a little intro here then sure go for it all right welcome to uh sol rewind a property of that rewindshow.com. uh we're your hosts i'm simon this is jamie hi yeah and uh this is uh t- today we're going to be covering season six episode two of Better Call Saul. This episode is called Carrot and Stick.
0: Yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to like and subscribe.
1: um, You did say, um, you said thanks for listening. And I I realized at the end of the last episode, I didn't show my appreciation.
0: So I just (laughs) wanted to make it clear
1: that um, I'm somewhat grateful. Uh, (laughs) Good. Yeah. yeah I just hope we can make this worth the days of
0: your lives isn't that a soap opera are you saying that we're like a soap opera
1: that's the days of our that's the days of our lives yeah I uh like sands through the hourglass I've never actually watched it no um so um yeah this episode opens uh with um
0: Food Uh, everywhere. There's food everywhere. So, the opening sequence of the show, we get like a close up of the counter in Nacho's house. It's Nacho's
1: house, right.
0: And it's just covered in old pizza boxes, and there's food everywhere.
1: It's turned into a pigsty. In Nacho's absence, these two girlfriends of his. Um, are not really capable of self-care they're not doing a good job of self-care this has been a theme actually for me last couple of days either either me talking about it or someone I know talking about it or mentioning it um, in a standout kind of context and you know isn't self-care self-care is harder than other care
0: wouldn't you say oh yeah for sure it's because there's no like whenever you're taking care of like your house or your place, it's so easy just to let it go for a few days and it just gets worse and worse and worse. And it's almost like you stop seeing it. Like you don't see the mess anymore because it's your mess. Like in work um, where, where I work, we get, we um, I'll not mention, I'm not going to mention the business, but we deal with consumer products that people use on their body um, that sounds really sketchy now. <laughs> so, <laughs> I almost have to qualify it by saying that it's like hairbrushes. And uh, yeah, not vibrators, hairbrushes. And people send you photographs of their hairbrush and they're fucking disgusting. And it's because they don't see how disgusting it is because they see it every single day. Right. What they don't realize is that somebody who's looking at a new hairbrush compared to their hairbrush, it's like, holy shit, what have you done to your fucking hairbrush? <laughs> it's gross. That's funny that because do. um
1: uh Brandon was here um last weekend and we watched an episode of Seinfeld yeah. in which um uh Seinfeld wants to change gets it, the, the hairdresser gives him a really bad haircut so um uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, Kramer insists there. that he goes to the other hairdresser and so yeah. he goes to the ha- so he goes to the ha- other hairdresser's the house Uh, But the the first hairdresser is a real crazy bastard, he suspects. So he goes, um, Seinfeld (laughs) hides, but he finds some hair on the floor. So he gets Newman to sneak into Seinfeld's apartment to get a sample of Jerry's hair. (laughs) But when Newman goes into the bathroom to the the hairbrush, it's fucking spotlessly clean because Jerry Seinfeld's a fucking neat freak.
0: Yes. So there's not one single
1: hair on his
0: hairbrush. That's funny. Funny. But yeah. So self-care back to how that started. Mm Self-care is something that you can easily let slip because you stop noticing it. Yeah. Yeah. You need an outsider's eye. Um, I find anyway, like my house is always spotlessly clean whenever people come to visit, when people aren't coming to visit, it's a fucking tip.
1: Yeah. I know I have the same problem.
0: Yeah. So So anyway, anyway, um, the girls, yeah,
1: I really love the performance from one of his girlfriends here, uh, uh she's the one doing dominoes on the floor yeah Um, really good yeah and um she's just wigging out about whether she's got the record what's her record (laughs) number of dominoes (laughs) that she's got She's got to stand up in one thing oh my god and uh yeah it's just so fantastic how she's sort of wigging out there on her meth trip and um
0: it's so funny
1: yeah and the other one's just chilling on the sofa and then in come uh mike and a couple of um Los men and they're going to they tell the girls you gotta leave. Yeah and Mike's gonna give him some money and he says never come back, etc. etc. Yeah. There and, was this
0: uh, moment when he's about to hand over the cash that yeah. um he tells him that they that the cash is gonna disappear in five seconds. It's right. like something a very a, a very parenty thing to do, you know, you That's have to true. do it in five seconds. And then she goes to take the money, and he pulls it away from her again, which is like very parenty, And he tells him yeah. what the conditions are. So the condition is that they go away and they never come back. And it's that's true. She's Get kind of childlike too. Um, yeah. When he says
1: you have to leave, she says, "But we like it here."
0: <laughs> I know it was funny. It was funny. Um, and he says, "Yeah, go back to your parents' house if you don't have folks. Go and find friends if you don't have friends. Make some friends. Get your life sorted out." Um, again, he's giving some um, life advice, Mike and his life advice. Um, That's right. And yeah, they take off and they go about. So the goons start to search the place, like Mike and the goons are searching the place and they start mm-hmm. to drill open the safe. Um, so Gus, or sorry, Mike is describing the, the safe on the phone to somebody and um, telling them what the safe looks like. And then they start to drill into it as... Um, as Mike searches the apartment, the house, yeah, I thought um this sort of um,
1: it's not it's not really a comparison or a contrast. I'm not sure I don't think but but the last episode opened up with um, Jimmy's house being cleared out or Saul Goodman's future house um, oh, being right. cleared out, and so now we're seeing in, in Nacho's absence, his house uh, the girls are, are leaving and his house is sort of being trashed and yeah, uh, yeah.
0: Although Mike took great care whenever he was searching, so I don't think they trashed the house. I think the house was trashed later in the episode. Yeah, it was trashed later, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So they crack the safe open. Mike removes the contents, so he comes across the two fake IDs. He bags up the cash. Um, Did you notice that he puts um, Nacho's fake ID in the bag and he puts Nacho's dad's fake identity into his pocket? I so thought he, he put
1: both in his pocket, no?
0: No, he puts okay. Nachos into the bag and he puts um, Nacho's dad's fake ID into his pocket. And then we see a, a new safe being delivered. So they have a new safe delivered and they put everything back in again, apart from Nacho's dad's fake identity. So All there's right. only one fake ID goes back into the new safe along with a new envelope. So they plant a new envelope Um which later we see contains um, a bank statement from a bank in the Cayman Islands and the motel's phone number. Right. We're not just staying. So this is where I thought that uh, this is Mike, this is Mike's plan to force Gus's hand because the bank in the Cayman Islands is a direct link to a conversation that um, Mike overheard between lalo and kim and jimmy whenever lalo was holding them hostage in the apartment okay. it was the thing that that kim said to lalo was when are you guys going to figure out about the banks in the cayman islands like what's with all <laughs> this fucking seven million in cash like why don't you just use the bank in the cayman islands
1: okay yeah
0: Um, so it's a it's a reflection of that conversation which is why i thought that was mike's doing rather than gus's okay i see yeah, all right. Uh, but anyway we can touch on that later. So we see them resetting the scene then. So they obviously know that um that somebody's gonna come and break in and they're they're they just wanna know what's in there before the other people come and take it, I guess. Yep. Is this yeah. like trying to get to know Nacho a little bit and right. to try to figure out where he's gonna go?
1: Yeah, yeah
0: or what's gonna happen. Um, So the new safe is delivered. We catch a really nice glimpse of a beautiful orange motorbike in the garage, which I don't know that we've seen that show before. Yeah. So as the safe's being delivered, there's like a really, really nice orange motorbike. Orange and red play a really big part in these episodes. Like in almost every single scene, that there's something that's red or orange, and then I think blue too, like a purpley blue. Right. Um, So in this scene, we've got the. The house numbers, so Nacho's house number on the wall outside his house is red lettering. Okay. On a black background, and we've got the orange bike in the garage. Um, and then they put everything back in the safe, and we go into the Lawyer Up intro, which is the Lawyer Up license plate on the back of a white Cadillac. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And we join Jimmy and Kim... So in the first, do you have anything else to say before we move on to the next one about... No, we can pick up the matches? plot
1: details uh, later. That's uh, yeah. That that's pretty much covers it there, yeah.
0: So we pick up with Jimmy and Jimmy's rehearsing. So he's <laughs> delivering this monologue about how he's this worker who was being awarded for his um, service <laughs> tenure. And whenever he, he was handed the plaque, he twisted his back. And um, so this is him rehearsing what they're going to say, the setup for... Um, a claim against HHM I guess, is is, right. is here. Um, Kim doesn't think that's working. She's skeptical. She's standing <laughs> eating cereal, and we see the, the fish tank, which is the blue, in this scene. And um, they're talking about um, other yeah. ideas then about what they could say to get Cliff Main's attention. So they need a case that's just big enough to pull Cliff Main in, but not big enough to make him to want make him to want to actually take the case on.
1: Yeah, so it then, needs
0: to be big enough to to pull him in, but gross enough that he doesn't want to do it.
1: Then Jimmy does his little shoe factory routine, uh, <laughs> where he says yeah. he was working in the shoe puts on like a Boston or New York accent or something like that, yeah. and, and says, "Now I can't stop coughing," and and the way he says "coughing" <laughs> sounds like "coughing."
0: Yeah, I know. It's Another coffin reference. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Which is well um, it's hilarious. And. A- uh Yeah, how he met with, it is hilarious, how he met with Howard, but he could tell that he's a cokehead because he behaved like his brother. Um, And then Kim has an idea that Jimmy's going to hate.
1: Yeah. um, I mean, this, uh, without wanting to poo-poo it really too much, but this is like really stretching our sense of disbelief yet again,
0: that out of
1: nowhere, this idea pops into Kim's head. There's no context at all. Um, no reason why it got into her head, why she would even think of it, and it just even, appears.
0: Yeah, even how they would go about tracking this couple down. I know. They decide to pull a scam on. And hardly would um, know. I know, I know it is a bit, but it's still great. It's still yeah, great. It, it is still great, yeah. But yeah, so Kim has that idea, and we leave them and head to Gus in his, in his um, hideout. And... Um, we have one of Gus's, what do you call this guy? One of Gus's goons, you mentioned Tyrus. his name earlier. Tyrus. Yeah. And um, laying out all the crime scene photographs. Um, so we had a few close-ups. We had the guy that um, was badly burned. Um, we had the padlock with a funny symbol on it. There's like a funny symbol on the padlock, almost like the, the triangle, the Illuminati right. triangle.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and then we had the handgun. We've got blood splatter. Um, so lots of photographs we got all, um, they make reference to the incident report, the autopsy. Um, they make reference to the dental records. So this is where they say even the dental records match. So they're obviously talking about, is the corpse l- Lalo? Like Gus is still does not believe that Lalo's dead. He's very skeptical about how it happened. And he asks, this is the first time that somebody references the fire. And he says, how did the fire start? And um they said, oh, it was somebody, somebody was cooking. And that's when I thought, actually, that doesn't make sense because there was no fire in that scene. So somebody must have set the fire after, um, right. after the, after the shootout, um, which is when it clicked for me that Lalo had murdered the poor, poor goat farmer after he shaved his beard to look like Lalo and that he'd um, been set fire to, to create yeah. Lalo's body double. pretty grim
1: yeah um i know i wasn't going to mention all the other times when there was a face-up instance but but i wanted to mention it here because it's so pertinent you know and it's so almost identical to the coincidence i initially had with the face on mars and the face on the picture on the table you know we're here we're seeing literally profiles of pictures of dead people looking up at you being laid out flat on table on the table yeah so it's very deliberate you know yeah definitely Um, you can't yeah yeah it's totally purposeful and then
0: um so yeah then he calls um don juan. Calls don juan bosa isn't it bosa and um yeah. says he's got a different idea about how they can prevent chaos or how they can stop everything from escalating right but little does he know <laughs> <laughs> yeah um so we leave Gus and we head over to Sweet Liberty Taxes. Um, <laughs> one of my favourite moments of these two shows.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: And uh, as we arrive, Jimmy's just pulling up in his brown Taurus, and we get a nice close up of a horse. No, it isn't a horse. It's a lizard, and um, on what looks like a horse's saddle. Like I, that's what I thought it looked like, but it could equally just be a bit of beat up metal, I guess. Um, yeah. And we see. Um, Jimmy pulls up between a red truck and a blue car so again the red and blue so Jimmy parks between a red truck and a blue car. Oh yeah I
1: didn't notice that but yeah that's uh, another one of those um, looking down from above shots.
0: That's right yes yeah. and um, then we have looking up at the Statue of Liberty which yeah. is also red and blue. And weirdly
1: um, um, the actual inflatable Lady Liberty because of the way the wind is blowing on it and it's not fully inflated, the head is actually tipped down. So Oh yeah, she's
0: looking t- down. Yeah, it's sort of bombing <laughs>
1: like this, you know, looking yes. down on the scene.
0: Very good. Yeah. Um. And we head inside. We head inside where we find <laughs> Betsy Kettleman. <laughs> Betsy. <laughs> oh my god, I can't believe the Kettleman's are back. They're I like know. my favourite characters. What a throwback to season one. I was one. so happy. So good to... <laughs> betsy is so good i know she's so good she's great played by i've looked up her name played by julianne emery excellent um yeah. she is absolutely fantastic in this um again i think she stole the episode for me totally um, she's really good she's so happy and positive Um, she's printing out a check um for a native american who is off to the casino to cash it um And there are just some really lovely moments of positivity, (laughs) like that moment where she's tearing off the edges of the check, like it's an old school printer and she tears off the edges and she says, we recycle so you can feel great about that. (laughs) And she just looks so happy. It's great. It's so well delivered. Almost reminded me of of Willy Wonka and your man. What do you call your man?
1: Not the classic
0: one, the more recent one. Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp. Yeah, almost yes. Johnny Depp. It's very Johnny, it's very Johnny Depp's
1: Willy Wonk, actually. Now that you say that, it really is.
0: Really good. Really <laughs> good. Totally unflappable. She catches eye contact with Jimmy and she has to catch her breath. And um, then she just carries on um, in character. And then after the Native American gentleman leaves, she gets so angry. She's mm-hmm. so angry at Jimmy. Um and she threatens him. She said, I'm going to call my husband and he'll remove you from our premises bodily. Bodily. (laughs) He'll bodily remove (laughs) you. And then she calls Mr. Kettleman and he comes and he's so happy to see Jimmy. (laughs) That's right. He's (laughs) happy to see him. (laughs) It's so good. He's like Mr. McGill and he's just so happy. And they have a little chat around how good he looks and about exercise, the exercise program in County Jail and Betsy's just side herself
1: he's furious
0: um yeah so they have a bit of chit chat then they head outside um and this is this it's betsy
1: who uh bodily removes jimmy from the (laughs) premises
0: (laughs) yeah for sure um and she really tears into him then how they lost everything their kids have to go to public school now um the pain of it all um and she tells jimmy to crawl back under whatever slime covered rock he came from that's Um, it
1: circling back to kevin's comment against jimmy At the country club in the last episode. Almost the same word for word.
0: For sure. Um, And Jimmy starts them with his magic hands. So he starts trying to sell them the scam with his hands. And he's like in full performance mode, which Mm -hmm. is nice. We haven't really seen Jimmy in that kind of salesy performance mode in a bit. So it's nice to kind of see that. Jimmy's Um, actually been
1: fairly dejected throughout the first these episodes. Definitely. Um, And I do remember that he remember in real life, he had his heart incident. And I wonder when it occurred in relation to the filming of the seasons. Um, because, and of course, and the other thing to note about Jimmy is here in these two episodes is that his face is still sunburnt from his desert experience. He's still oh, red. Yeah. Hey. He's discolored in the face. He's really dejected. He seems sort of, um, he's got a lot less energy than he did in the previous uh, Definitely.
0: season. Yep. But I think that this is his conscience playing up, you know, that he yeah. he isn't happy where things are going. Um, yeah, he isn't, I don't think he's happy with how things are changing.
1: Yeah, no, he's not comfortable with the way things have been progressing. Because like, whenever he was out in the desert, I saw him made that comment that it was like a purifying fire. And I expected um, yeah. all the remnants of Jimmy to be burnt off and Saul to, to emerge. But that isn't really what's happened. Really what's happened is, Jimmy was sort of traumatized. That's it. And he's uh he shifted gears now. He's yeah, yeah, he's hesitant about the whole new the, the whole new trajectory that they're on.
0: For sure, for sure. Um, so yeah, uh he's trying to sell them the, the scam of uh he thinks that there's a way that they can exonerate themselves um through uh, some information that he's found out, but he won't tell them until they sign up to be um, his clients, um, yeah. which they do eventually. Like he he takes off. So he, they say they're definitely yeah. not going to do it. Betsy's pretty adamant that it's never going to happen and um, that they talked to some real lawyers um, in, in the past who said that it was impossible. But um, as he's walking away...
1: He takes his he, pen back out of his pocket. Because yeah. he's really
0: expecting them to run around the corner and say, wait. For sure. <laughs> and they do. And they sign and they off. Do. Yeah. They sign off. But two two things,
1: a... two things reminded me of the Goonies here. Right. One is um when he's walking around the corner and he takes the pen out, it's similar to that scene where Mikey gives the, the towards the start, he gives the 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 frame with the map in it to Chunk, and then he counts to five quietly. And when he gets to five, Chunk yeah. drops the frame breaks it so he knew what was going to happen but then also at the end of the Goonies um Troy's father Mr Perkins turns around so that so that uh, Mr Walsh can sign
0: the papers on his back that's right yeah yeah that's right um I should have mentioned too that before they signed he drops Cliff Mane's name into the conversation so Jimmy's very subtle in what he does like he he builds this perfectly like the way that he initially tries to sell them the, um, the lawsuit that they could take the civil case against HHM, um, but he drops Cliff's name, Cliff's name in so that they already know like he's signposting where they need to go. Then he gets them to sign up to be his lawyer um, so that he tells them what the, the, the shakedown is and then allows them to fire him again, which of course they can fire him, but just because they sign up doesn't mean that he's fired. Um, which is what happens. So she calls him a crickety crook, refuses to sign, (laughs) then he signs, I know, then he signs, (laughs) they sign up. Um, He tells them about the the shakedown of HHM, about how how hireds on the devil's dandruff, is how um, Jimmy (laughs) describes it, that he's a person of substance, if they know what he means. Um, And that they have a really good, they have a really good case. Then as soon as he tells them um, he gets fired, so she fires him, and then he purposefully says that it doesn't matter, because if, as soon as they mention his name as the source of information, that he'll get a nice big slice of, of the profit anyway, so he still gets paid, um, which in a way is making sure that they don't tell Cliff Meehan that that's where they got the information from, so very cleverly put together. Um, but yeah, a really great scene. The return of the Kelmans is such a great and an unexpected twist in this. In this, um, well, yeah, episode. I mean, we talked before such a nice about surprise.
1: We, yeah, we talked before about who we would like to see coming back into it, and we said the Kelmans, yeah. even though there was no real way you could imagine how they could do it. And this, this sort of made me think that you know, it made me realize, you know, um, and again, this is sort of reflected in Dirk Gently, which is a very chaotic and unpredictable plotline. Plot line, yeah. plot line, <laughs> uh, plot line. Um, that really, actually, in TV, in the movies, and books, and whatever, you can just do whatever you want in your plot. You know, you literally can. Yeah. Anything can happen. You know, that's it. A shark can appear in the room and tear people to pieces <laughs> if you want, because it's your story. Yeah, and in the world of the story, that's completely plausible.
0: <laughs> you know, yeah, so really, sure.
1: you can do anything you want.
0: I know, <laughs> but what a great thing to do to bring the Kettlemans back. Yeah, Such a yeah, strong character. Good. Betsy's great. And Craig, Craig's great too. Like Craig's just so happy about everything. Yeah. Um, he's another really nice guy that's just nice, you know. Yeah. Um, anyway, so we leave the Kettlemans, sad times, we head off and we rejoin that Joda's hotel room. Um, and he's pacing about, he's getting cabin fever, he's getting really pissed off and being stuck there. Yeah. And he realizes. That he's being watched so as the lady delivers his breakfast he sees that the ac across the street in the abandoned building is dripping water which means the ac is running
1: mm-hmm. and he
0: puts two and two together and realizes that somebody is watching him and um, which again i think is a bit of a stretch like those kind of acs are quite noisy they're not quiet so why would the abandoned building have like the ac running it seems like quite an amateur move you know yeah um, true I actually but didn't anyway, even notice
1: the AC. I just figured it whenever he saw something moving behind the, the,
0: it was, yeah, the window. before then he noticed the AC because the AC in why his room at the stopped working. Yeah. Right. So the AC in his room stopped working. And then whenever he was picking up his breakfast, he realized that the AC across the street was dripping. Yeah. So the dripping water. So it is like, it's um a bit of a tenuous. get, I guess. Um, Suspension of disbelief again, isn't it really? Yeah. Um, so yeah. So he then spends his whole day staring at the tiny hole in the the, the window board across in that building, and finally see somebody's moving, and um, within it. Actually, mm-hmm. does he do it? He doesn't do that in this scene. It's in the next scene. Is in the
1: next scene. Okay.
0: But yeah, we'll get to that in a minute. So we head from there and join Cliff Meehan who's strumming his guitar in his office. <laughs> um, and Erin comes in to tell them about a new client that's arrived and she wants his input um, yeah. before she tells them to, to head on. And of course, this is Betsy and Craig arriving to tell them um, the story of HHM.
1: Yeah, um, she says that uh, they refer to her as a pre-pubescent intern, <laughs> which I find hard to believe because that young woman oh. is anything but pre-pubescent.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, I also can't imagine like that that's something that Betsy Kettleman would say. She's always so guarded in her, ru- in her words. She's like quite she proper. called Jimmy a crickety crook, for God's uh-huh. sake. She's not going to call somebody a pre-pubescent intern. You know what I mean? It doesn't yeah. sound like a Betsy thing to say. Um, yeah. But anyway, so um and I, it was great how they when they go in and they're with uh
1: they pitch their case to cliff
0: and um
1: and they describe how um they, you know they, they introduce the concept of hard having been impaired or whatever
0: on yeah. cocaine
1: and they say it was common knowledge out in the yard <laughs> <laughs> uh, and completely. actually yeah. i liked this how sometimes they do this they have a line in one scene that directly talks about what just happened in the last scene She said drug people can spot each other a mile away.
0: Yes. It's just like natural
1: spotting the guy across the yard of the motel.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's really good. (laughs) I hadn't picked up on that. That's really good. Um, So, yeah, a great wee scene. They tell, um, Cliff finally advises them that this isn't a good road to go down. They can't take the case because of a conflict of interest. Um, Betsy comments on how, how can they still partner with this law firm now that they know what's happened? Um, but yeah, so he advises them not to take it any further, that it's unlikely that they'll succeed. Betsy in the scene is in a red pattern blouse Um, Cliff is in a red, white and blue check tie. Um, and mm-hmm. as, uh, the, the Kettleman's then get up to leave, and as they go, Cliff reminds Aaron that everything that they've heard is privileged, that they can't they can't spread those nasty rumors about yeah. Hard and the drugs. Um, but this link between the kettlemans claiming Hard's cocaine habit and the, the cocaine habit or the cocaine that was dropped out of Hard's locker, I guess, is just enough to pique yeah. um Cliff's interest.
1: Yeah, that's right. Um Cliff has got uh... He, he agrees with Aaron that uh, this doesn't, he even says this doesn't sound like the hard Hamlin that I know, but yeah. then it's clear from his body language at the end of the scene that uh, he has a concern. He's concerned. And um, yeah, I like, you know, I also noticed here that um, not only Betsy, but we also talked about how much we liked Aaron as well
0: Yeah, as a, character. a great
1: character. And I sort of just wonder if, because it's the last season, they're, they're giving us some of our favorite characters back yeah but i noticed so far a conspicuous absence of the movie team
0: oh the camera my god team. yes a, the camera the team. team yeah oh yeah so they need to come back they, they need, need to, to come back to to i them. want to see
1: them i'm sure that if they're doing this thing yeah. where they're gratifying all our desires as viewers that we're going to see plenty. we're going to see the camera team as well hopefully oh, some oh my
0: God, I wonder who else we're gonna see. <laughs> that would be so good. Like they've already, they've already teased that we're gonna see Jesse and um, Walter White. Walter White. So they're gonna make an appearance. Who else? Who else is there gonna be? Who, who else? Oh my God! Um, if I'd have had this thought, then I would have had a list of people that I'd want to see in the episodes. Yeah. Um, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah. So um, we leave. Cliff Meehan and Davis and Meehan's offices. And we head over to Gus and Hector in the nursing home. So this is um, Gus's alternative plan about how they can make peace. So he's there um, to talk to Hector and to um, pledge allegiance to the Salamanca family and that the cartel stand behind them in their time of crisis Mm -hmm. and um, everything else. So as you said um, in the previous episode, and we get this really great scene or the great moment in the scene where right. um, Hector reaches out to shake Gus's hand. <laughs> I almost thought that he was going to, he was struggling to raise his hand up to give Gus the finger at one stage. Like yeah. I thought that that's what was going to happen. <laughs> but yeah. no, he reaches out um, and they shake hands and uh, make eye contact briefly, as you said. Mm-hmm. And that second where Hector just raises his eyebrows, just communicated everything to Gus, yeah. you know,
1: that also coincided with them but yeah no sorry you're totally right that that was just one of my favorite moments in both episodes definitely um um, but also it coincided with Dirk Gently again in the first couple of episodes of Dirk Gently they run this gag where um one of the tech detectives does his eyebrow raising thing whenever (laughs) um Uh, says something weird or is that behavior suspicious but it's the other detective that comments on it and says he does the eye I can't raise my eyebrows he does the eyebrow thing and then and that, yeah anyway it's a running gag I can't do it as funny as it is in the show but it was weird how it came up in both
0: funny um so that, that was a really great scene again in this scene we had the American flag the red white and blue um hanging from the the fireplace in the in the nursing home um so from there we head back to Nacho's place and we find that the place is now totally trashed um, so yeah. Balsa and his men are in Nacho's house and they're turning the place over, trying to look for clues about where Nacho could be. Um, they approach the safe differently. So again, we see this contrast between Gus's approach and the cartel's approach. Like the cartel went in and totally trashed the place, whereas Mike went in, he was very subtle. He searched the house, but he didn't damage anything. Yeah. Um, they very carefully drilled open the safe, whereas Balsa's men take yeah. a a grinder or a big saw and they chop off the back of the safe. Very different approach. Um, So they open the safe and they find um, the money, Nacho's fake ID and the bank statement from the Cayman Islands that show that Matt Nacho has been paid a huge sum of money and the phone number of the motel is written on the bank statement um, where he uh, is hiding. So um, Balsa phones the number, finds out where the hotel is.
1: Yeah. And then yeah. he tips off um the then cousins. I I the way I read the situation was that Mike put the envelope into the safe, yeah, so that Bolsa would find it and tip off the Salamancas. This is Mike's doing this on Gus's instruction. Then he would tip off the Salamancas so that the Salamancas would find the motel and go kill them. In other words, they they want, yeah, but then that doesn't make sense, does it? I see. Yeah, I, I, I don't know maybe I'm dumb or maybe I just wasn't paying close enough attention during these episodes but I don't think I've stitched together the plot points right here.
0: No I don't think I have either like I thought initially like is this Gus that has gone off script uh, or not Gus sorry Mike that has gone off script with Gus and has decided that Gus doesn't want to do it so um, Mike is going to force his hand. Um, that Mike created this situation so that the Salamancas would find Nacho and Gus wouldn't have any other choice but to go in and rescue him. Um, but then, on the other hand, whenever Mike is planting the envelope in the safe, Gus's men are with him. So we see that yeah. it's, um, this Gus, is- Gus's men deliver the safe, that they're all doing this. So maybe it's just that, that Gus came around to Mike's idea and agrees mm. that they need to do something about Nacho, but there was just a different way to go about it. Um, it seems like yeah. flushing
1: Nacho out with the help of the Salamancas is an incredibly risky, it,
0: it seems it really more likely
1: either to end in Nacho's death or in him being caught, because as we find out in that scene, they want him alive, because they yeah. want to get the truth out of him about what happened.
0: And this scene, like we pick up the scene after um, after Gus realises that Lalo lives which is actually yeah. something that we don't, that we didn't comment on. Like at the end of the last scene where yes. Lalo or where Gus is talking to Balsa and Hector, he comes out and he calls Mike and Mike asks, what did you learn? And he said, Lalo Salamanca lives or whatever it is. <laughs> That's a pretty good impression. You do a pretty good Gus. You should make that out more often. <laughs> and uh so this happens after that. So maybe it's that moment in the nursing home convinces Gus that actually they need to get um, Lalo out. And they're gonna, this is how they're gonna do it. But again, you're right, it's so risky. Like, why send the Salamangans after him? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. It just, yeah, we need to figure that out, I guess. Yeah. We don't know. Um, but yeah, so. We see that um, that it is the bank in the Cayman Islands. So there's some information on the the, the bank statement, which is what originally made me think that it was Mike because of that conversation that took place between um, Jimmy and Kim and um, Lalu about uh, the money, the 7 million and how Jimmy had to cross the desert for it. Why did they not just use the bank in the Cayman Islands? Right. Um, but anyway, we'll have to just see how that plays out, I guess.
1: Yeah. Yeah
0: um So then yeah. we head off to join. Um, so we leave that scene with um, with Balsa. I can never get Balsa's name out of my mouth. The first time, I always have to think about it. Well, um, I've got, so we leave that scene. I've got ladio written in my notes all the way through here. I just mixed it up. <laughs> I call him Aladio for this entire episode uh, yeah. in my notes. Um, so yeah, he calls the motel, figures out where it is, and that's where we move over to the motel to see the dripping AC. So this is where I realized that Nacho had seen the dripping AC. So that's how this scene opens with the dripping AC and Nacho watching the hole in the board um, as lunch is delivered. So he spent his whole morning staring at this hole in the board across um, the road waiting for somebody to move. And then he goes out, he sees that somebody moves whenever breakfast or whenever lunch arrives, and he makes sure then that he's seen. So he goes out onto the balcony and he wanders about a bit, mm-hmm. goes back into the room and smashes his lunch and breaks out of the room through the AC hole in the back.
1: Yeah, he, uh, he kicks out the AC, uh, an impressive feat of determination, and then jumps several feet or drops several feet to the ground yeah. and deftly... Actually, you don't see his face there. I, w- I wonder if it was a stunt double because he, as he gets yeah, up he, to run off, he limps a tiny little bit. Um, he does, yeah. So I hope the stunt double was okay.
0: Uh... <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he was fine. Maybe yeah. Nacho does all of his own stunts. He is in quite a few action-y type things, isn't he? Like he's is in he? that video game movie. I wouldn't mind. It's like a TV what? show about a video game. I can't remember what it's called. The oh, New I'm interested. Movie. I don't know what that is, yeah. I can't remember. I'll have to look it up. Somebody can email us, email us at solrewind Sol at gmail.com and tell us what else Nacho's in. Um, so yeah, he runs around the corner to the building and we join the bat, the man who's inside watching. So Lalo, we leave running around the corner of the building and we join the man in the abandoned building. Um, he has a red killer beside him. He's eating bags of chips, which the bags are colored red and the chips themselves are colored red. Yeah. And so there's lots of red in these two scenes. Mm. And we see Nacho for the first time he's bathed with amber light behind him. And so we just see his silhouette with the light shining in through a roof light behind him. Um, And he sneaks up on the guy and um, yeah, pretty much says, you know, who is it that's paying you to watch me? Why are you watching me? Et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. The guy denies everything and um, Nacho gets an idea to call Mike, i guess or um one of other one of gus's other button men and tells him to um that he's, he's had enough that he's going there's something yeah. wrong and he's going to take off
1: and he even does a little bit of acting himself there he acts all stressed and like he's like he's wigging out he's going crazy in there yeah. and he has to get out it's uh yeah that's a nice uh the whole sequence is a nice nice to spend some time with nacho um yeah uh you know his character coming coming through strong
0: Definitely. Um. So the guy reminds him. Um. So he hangs up on Mike or whoever it is, and then a few a few minutes later, thirty seconds later, the other guy's phone rings. Um. So obviously this is confirmation. Um. To Nacho that this is Mike that has set this up. This yeah. Guy watching him, so he knows that there's definitely something wrong, and he has to get out. Yeah. Um, knocks the guy out with his gun, takes off running across the courtyard and another brown truck. Hmm. Um, that he's trying to start just as the cousins and the Salamancas arrive. Um, so this is all timed really beautifully. Very coincidentally that this all kind of happened at the same time. Um, yeah. And uh, they arrive and they start kicking doors in at the motel as not yeah. just hiding in this truck.
1: Yeah, and it's, as, uh, uh, it's not the first time it's happened, but here as the shootout starts um, and the twins are... are are doing their um, stride towards their, their Terminator stride towards the uh, truck or in the distance yeah. from the truck. They shoot one of their own people in the back. Because That's it. He's That's so reckless. And and then the guy up in the, the, the other guy, the guy's buddy is looking down at them and they look up at him and then, and then they're saying alive. He has to be yeah, all right. Take him alive. Like, but that was that guy's buddy, you know, and this, totally mad. this reminds me of like the farm scenes where everyone's pals And life has a veneer of normalcy and the woman's cooking the eggs. and and, Yeah, that's right. And then it was the same back at uh, Lalo's house and whenever everything was normal woman. And then, and I just think like, is this really what it's like? There's like, they just seem to be able to, and and it came up before where there was some shooting of um, Buddies or something like that. And I was like, it's just, how do they carry on normalcy? I know. Whenever it's so weird, violence it? and death can occur at any minute, you know. I know, and it's <laughs> so extreme. They're that all the... murdering each other, and yet they have this... I know. Form. I mean, why isn't that guy like, you call my best friend! We've been in the <laughs> drug trade
0: together since we were kids! I know, for, and for sure. Dead, and it's like... No, he just kind of looks at him, it's like, well, what the fuck? You know, it's like, yeah, and later on in the scene, like we see Sunacho, who's in the truck at this stage, backs up into their car and pretty much backs himself into a corner. Yeah. And we see as he then tries to make a getaway, that they very deliberately shoot at the tires, like they're shooting at the tires of the truck. Right. They didn't have to shoot that guy in the back. They could have shot him in the leg or in the arm or anywhere. Right. You know, they didn't have to <laughs> yeah. shoot him dead. You know, it's like so yeah. ruthless. Yeah, yeah, um, totally. I guess if you don't follow the orders, then they don't really give a shit. <laughs> um, this is the first time, like, I don't know if the twins have consistently been dressed alike, but this is the first time that I've noticed that they were dressed differently. Um, so we had one in a silver suit and one in a darker suit. And one was wearing a blue shirt and one was wearing a red shirt. So it's just blue a, and red. And a blue and a red.
1: I didn't notice that at oh, all really throughout the whole episode. That's great. Yeah. So it's, well, like, a
0: red-y, it's a, like a ready, it's like a ready orangey color. And in the Mexican scenes, it's almost like a rusty, deep reddy orangey color. And the blue right. has like a kind of a purpley tinge on it. I think it's just the filter they maybe use on the camera or something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, really interesting. Well, I had um, noticed
1: whenever they discovered the supposed Lalo's body that one of the twins had put his jacket over the his, yes. over the body. So maybe that's why I needed to change his clothes. Oh,
0: he changed out of a silver suit. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. It could be it. Yeah. Um, but again, as natural, so Navat Nacho reverses into their car, realizes that he's backed himself into the corner, and then speeds out through past them again, where they're that he's shooting through the windscreen and they're shooting at the tires of the truck. Yeah. Um, as we leave that scene, the camera kind of pans up, and so we see that kind of shot again looking down at the cousins, and but we also mm. see that the hotel's name. Um, Ocotillo, or whatever it's called, yeah. is in red, and underneath um, the sign in blue is the word Piscina. So, again, the red and the blue color combination. So, it appears all over this episode that red, right. and blue, particularly okay. the red. Um, which I guess in the past has been a sign, it's something very ominous is coming, isn't it? You know, so, um, I just yep. wonder if they're preparing us for Nacho's death. Like, is this leading up to Nacho being, being killed? And that's yep. what they're leading up to. And we
1: also like, you know, this was all those shots um back when we were first introduced to Nacho's house of um him him through glass, you know, and there was a while well, there was other shots right. of looking at people through glass. And then i w- commented back then that I had previously had a dream in which someone who had died appeared was on the other side of glass. And I've had that dream yeah. a couple of times, and then I connected the dots to think that being on the other side of glass or it was ice in the movie of eternal sunshine and the smallest mind yeah. is, is a symbol of someone being no longer within reach of you in real life that they're,
0: yeah.
1: that they're in the past, in the memory. Right. Yeah, so again, yeah. looking to the idea of death. So yeah. this has been following Nacho for a while now. And uh, but the, this Definitely. sort of imagery here, especially with the, the uh, you know, the face up and everything very powerfully expressed everywhere. Um, it's a, uh, yeah, it's strongly suggested that Nacho's gonna die, but is yeah. it sometimes I think it can be it's it's put in there to trigger to, to sort of trigger your unconscious or even your yeah. conscious so that it builds tension towards a potential death. Yeah. But may not actually resolve in the death of, you know.
0: I know it's funny because there's three three really important characters in better Call Saul that don't make an appearance in Breaking Bad. Nacho Kim and Lalo. I, I had a look because we talked about Lalo at the end of season five, Yeah, and he doesn't appear, so he isn't a character in Breaking Bad. But Lalo is the only one that's made reference to in the script. Like, There's moments in the script in Breaking Bad where um, Jimmy asks somebody whether Lalo had sent them, um, mm. which suggests that Lalo is still alive. Okay. Um, and another, another moment in the script, somebody's being sent off to Lalo. So it suggests that Lalo's still alive, but we He's... don't get those references about um, Kim and Nacho. So I wonder if that's right. another sign that Kim and Nacho are both going to die, um, mm. especially because Jimmy's such a big character in Breaking Bad. If she was in jail or somewhere else, that yeah. I think that that would be that would be a story point. A you know, telltale sign. Yeah, interesting. Anyway. Um, but yeah, so yeah. we leave the cousins in the, the, they're standing in their Terminator poses in the car park and Nacho <laughs> speeds off. So Nacho obviously hasn't died yet. Um, He speeds off and they're just standing watching him go. Um, so yeah, I can't wait until we pick that storyline back up. Um, But yeah, so we joined Jimmy then, unless you want to talk about anything else?
1: Um, No, no, I don't. I mean, there have been a few instances of the face up in the last couple of scenes, but I decided to stay true to what I said before and not mention it, but I do feel (laughs) they're, they're very significant symbolically. So I would encourage the listeners to check those out if they have not done so.
0: For sure. It's definitely interesting. I'm going to take a look. Um, I just wondered, is that like, is Nacho going to die pretty soon? Like obviously the cousins now are hot on his heels. So I wonder if they're going to, um, if that's going to be in the next episode or two, are we going to see the end of Nacho? Um, But anyway, so we head off and join Jimmy and Kim in their apartment for a very quick interlude where they get a call from Betsy Kettleman, um, who's really pissed off. So Betsy's really angry that she's been to a few lawyers and talked to them and nothing that Jimmy said is true, that nobody thinks that they've got a case. And Kim's visibly excited again. So we see Kim in the background. She's visibly excited about this conversation taking place. Um, And she starts to, um, Jimmy agrees to meet Betsy. He wants to take them some cash and says how he thinks that the carrot is better than the stick for these people. Mm -hmm. Um, But Kim disappears or Kim disagrees um, and decides that she's going to go along, (laughs) go along for the ride. Oh, I just, the poor Kettleman's, what's going to happen next? I know. You feel sorry for
1: for Betsy a little bit.
0: Um, Oh, yeah.
1: And um, the other fella, what's his name? Craig. Craig. Uh, yeah but yeah well we'll come to it but
0: yeah she all um, uh,
1: jim also says you know spoonful of sugar is the comment he makes about the money
0: yeah that's um, right so
1: a little mary poppins reference there um
0: and mm. um, we join gus then in the next scene so he's in his in um, los polos germanos location so he obviously hasn't left there he's been there the whole time and um, now he's scared well I, I guess he did leave didn't he, he left to go he see Hector. Um, but this is this seems to be his hiding place. So he's gone into hiding there, and um, where he feels safe. And um, we have a sniper. So we join a sniper watching the location, who's chatting to Mike on his earpiece. Right. Um, so they've gone into like kind of defense mode, I guess, where they've set up a perimeter around this place and they're yeah. defending Gus from um, Lalu, who is uh, they think is on his way back to to get yeah. them. This is a um,
1: fantastic scene i mean really good we've had a lot of build up we've had tension in the relationship between mike and gus going on for a while now which is i'm not sure if this is the ultimate culmination we don't know yet probably not but uh maybe it is i don't know but um yeah yeah, we're uh
0: we're then in the office and um uh gus pick mm-hmm. up on a conversation that um, they find like Gus's comment is that they find the truck, but they haven't found Varga. Yeah. Um, so obviously this relates to how you'd natural escaped.
1: Yeah. You've made such detailed notes about these two episodes, but I I made more um, loose notes. Yeah. Um, I don't know why I did. Maybe it's just my state of mind right now, but uh, But yeah, but I loved, there was a couple of points here. Um. Where we see a really uncharacteristic moment, where does it happen? Before, or after Mike? It happens after, before Mike challenges Gus. Gus knocks the glass off the table. That's right. As he goes to pour himself a drink, yeah. Here's something interesting that happens, and I can't, I can't let the, the the face up go by here without notice. Gus picks up the glass. Yeah. And this is after pouring going to pour himself a drink but failing to do so because he knocks the glass over and we we get a full moment where Gus picks up the glass walks over to the garbage and then takes out a little handkerchief and brushes it off his hand but as you look at his hand you can see fragments of the glass in the hand that he's going to brush off with the handkerchief that's right and it directly echoes back to when Mike was with Kaylee in the first marble drop scene and Mike held out his hand and the marble dropped into the palm of his hand as oh, it was face yes. up.
0: Yeah, okay. So it was the marble
1: in Mike's hand and then the glass, a broken glass in Gus's hand. In Gus's and then right hand. after that, they have their confrontation.
0: Yes. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. God, it's so interesting. <laughs> um so yeah, what a confrontation they have. Mm-hmm. Um Mike thinks that um if Lalo was on his way that he would be there already, that he's smart enough to know that he can't act without proof. Therefore the only proof is Nacho. So Lalo is looking for Nacho and Gus is convinced that the rest of the cartel still believe that Lalo is dead, that nobody else thinks that he's alive. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, Mike points out that if Fargo gets caught, he's going to talk that he's a straight up guy, but he's going to talk to the cartel. Like that's just what he's going to do. He's smart um, but he's not going to be able to, to hold up against what they'll do to him. Right. Um, and that's when Gus, is, Gus smashes the glass. And um, Mike tables his plan that he wants to take four guys down into Mexico and bring, bring Nacho back. Mm-hmm. Um, and Gus has different ideas and, and asks for Mike to bring Nacho's dad, bring his dad to me.
1: Well, he says, doesn't he ask Tyrus, I think? to get, um, or is it is I, it Mike that he asks? Oh, well, they're both kind of standing close together, so we yeah. can't really tell. And uh, yeah, and Mike says, what is it he says? He
0: That's says, not going to happen. That's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> so like a hard no, it's like this hard no again. Yeah. It's like, nope, I'm not doing it. That's not going to happen. That's just it. And that makes that made me realize actually when
1: Gus's eye twitched, um, the yeah. last time that Nacho brought, or last time Mike brought up, Nacho deserves his respect. I wondered if his. I then as we were talking and I was thinking maybe his eye twitched because he was he was agitated that Mike was standing up to him
0: yes and, okay. and here
1: it, it's right this is it now you know
0: yeah I was wrong about Mike's sign he didn't say that's not going to happen he said you're not doing that you're not doing that even, even worse, <laughs> even worse. <laughs> yeah t- you're not doing that telling Gus he- what to do I know he turned and locked the door. So he turned around and he Fuck. locked the door of the office. Like this is full on, like hardcore. We're not leaving this room. You're not yeah. doing it. You know yeah. what I mean? And the funny uh, thing
1: is that we, we know enough about Mike to know. And Mike says, whatever what what whatever happens next, it's got not gonna be what yeah. you think is gonna happen, or it's not gonna happen the way you think it is. That's and, it. And we know for a fact that Mike is quite capable of carrying that out.
0: Oh, definitely. Like, um, is it, what do you call the other guy? Is it Ty- Tyrus? Ty- Tyrus pulls his gun. So Mike yeah. locks the door, Tyrus pulls his gun on Mike. And Mike said, you don't understand. <laughs> That's not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's like full on hardcore. Like, yeah. Mike, it's great. Um, and uh, then Mike's phone rings and it's Varga. And Mike said that he, he made, he said a couple of yeses, then a no. And then he said, that wasn't my choice and he wants to, Varga wants to speak to Gus, and uh, that's where we leave that scene. Oh, it's so tense. Uh Oh my god, this is great, great TV. Brilliant. Really, really good, but yeah, it's a strange shift in that relationship between Mike and Gus, where Mike is now just flatly saying that's not happening, you know, like before it's always been Mike disagreeing with what's going to happen, but he'll eventually bend to Gus as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I guess he just feels so strongly about his dad that um, it's not going to happen. Or maybe it's that he's already arranged for um, Nacho's dad to go. Like he Possibly. took Nacho's dad's fake ID. So maybe Nacho's dad's in Manitoba. You're and right. that's why he's saying, you don't understand it's not going to happen because he's actually not there anymore. He's away. Possibly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, True. Really interesting anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we leave that scene and we join um, Liberty Taxes. I just love the way the, the <laughs> Kettleman's business is called Liberty Taxes. Um, Liberty, of course, is what they, what they wanted the whole time. Freedom, it's, it's yeah. what they want. They want to clear his name. Mm-hmm. Um, they're out of, he's out of jail now and they're free. But, yeah, um, Kim and Jimmy arrive at Liberty Taxes. They get out of the car. Jimmy said how the mighty have fallen and makes reference to that. The statue of Liberty is a nice touch again yeah. um, about freedom.
1: Yeah. Um, sideways connected to the, um, the face up is a, uh, 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 several references. I think during these episodes of uh, something being compared to being standing up to falling down. Yeah. Like for instance, when Jim and Kim are talking about what they're going to do to hard, uh, Kim says, "Will it'll hurt him, but it will leave him standing up."
0: Oh yes, of course. And then
1: there were the dominoes standing up, falling down, and uh, there might have been another couple of instances, but uh, this again was the um, what was the comment? The
0: how the mighty have
1: fallen. So it's yes, like standing up, right. falling down. You know.
0: Yeah. 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 Um. So as they arrive, there's a lady getting into their car. Um, Jimmy walks in and he says top of the morning, which is like a very Irish thing to say, which I find quite strange. <laughs> I don't know if he's said anything like that in the past. I don't know. He said top of the morning um, and Betsy wants to know what Kim's doing there. What's she doing here? Um, and they say that they're married and um, they can say anything in front of her and there's good old Craig being so nice again, congratulates mm. him, says muzzle um, <laughs> Is happy for them. Um, <clears throat> and they, Betsy, Betsy goes straight in and says they're going to tell everyone um, that uh, they'll yeah. tell everyone the truth that they've been to four lawyers and there is no case she's cottoned on to what Jimmy's done, she said I figured it out um, why you sent us down this road that the um, that it's part of a, a bigger scheme that they, they were used to, to get to hired and wouldn't hire just love to know what Jimmy's up to um, so she starts threatening Jimmy with hotbirds. <clears throat> Jimmy tells him to calm down, um, that uh, to, to chill out a little bit, and then he offers to pay them a bit of money. Yeah. And, yeah,
1: yeah. Um, I, I i loved Betsy's dress. Uh, I was swear to god, I wasn't staring at Betsy's body for the entire scene. Um, <laughs> 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 but that dress she had was um covered in uh foxes mushrooms yeah, and hedgehogs for um, sure it, it was i don't know there's just something so cute about it i don't i don't know if it says anything i don't think it does but but
0: uh it just echoes the same colors that kind of rusty it, it was the color
1: color and, and her know, colors sure. yeah the colors match to jim's shirt and tie combo yeah. And I noticed that Kim's outfit was also somewhat matching the scene. So there was color alignment with with the with the three of them., and yeah. as you pointed out, we now know that that is because of the the characteristics of the people, um, yeah. their personalities.
0: for sure. And um, she said you you used us to assassinate to do a character assassination on Howard Hamlin um and somehow that benefits you she doesn't know how it benefits jimmy but she's realized that that's a benefit to him um and jimmy said oh i hear a lot of unfounded accusations but a little money will take care of it you know let's take care of it and he goes to hand over the cash and she said (laughs) money's not going to take care of anything and jimmy jimmy goes money takes care of everything yeah um and that's when um, he says uh,
1: isn't that the motto that's stitched into the kettleman family crest or something (laughs) like that
0: That's right. I forgot about that. Um, that's so funny. Yeah. Um, Betsy goes on again about how she's lost everything and that Jimmy's not going to do this to her. She has to make good on what he said and help them with this lawsuit. Um, and then Kim said enough carrot, and she calls the IRS, the Inland Revenue Service. Um, she's got a friend over at the tax department who she's very chatty with and obviously knows quite well, she's talking about his family and his kids and going over for dinner um, and then she asks um, who, her, who their CID investigator is and um, pretty much makes it clear that the Kettleman's are going to be, be reported for um, for fraud, for ripping off their clients how Kim knows that they're doing this I don't know but she's put two and two together yeah. and um, has has decided that they're um, putting off their or, or that they're ripping off their clients um a couple of things he describes them as dirt bags he said that he's got a real bull bulldog that's going to go after those dirt bags um yeah and they'll make sure they get everything they deserve
1: she calls them creeps she says a, yeah. a couple of
0: creeps who are uh, <laughs> you know it's, it's great <laughs> yeah um, um she thinks Betsy will get 24 months. So while she's on hold, she turns to Betsy and she says, you'll get 24 months, Betsy, maybe a team with good behavior, but Craig, Mm -hmm. he's a two-time loser. She calls him, you're a two-time loser. And that they'll treat every, every client as a separate felony. And how many are there? 100 or 200 different felonies. So Craig will obviously go down for a very long time. Yeah. And then Betsy falls into line and says, they'll do anything. Just tell Mm -hmm. us what to do. We'll do anything. Um, so yeah, I felt really sorry for Betsy in this yeah. moment.
1: Yeah, there's um there's a face to face between a really close up face to face between Betsy and uh Kim, as Betsy leans yeah. in to hang up the phone, and um it was another one of these face to face moments that they brought out uh, previously, um where one character asks another character what they want, or expresses what they want, so to speak, and it was yeah. similar to that, and uh, it was really they just brought so uh, Betsy and Jim are like master, uh, scammers, you know,
0: Mm.
1: like, you know, you definitely feel that Craig's whole embezzlement situation was all Betsy. Yeah, Um, definitely. And here, here, Betsy's drawn right in face to face with Kim. And the question is, who's the, who's the better scammer? Because now Kim is the dominant scammer in the situation.
0: And it
1: made me wonder if the person on the other end of the phone even was in the IRS
0: or if yeah. the whole thing was, was it actually just a, a setup, setup. <laughs> yeah yeah but then when would she have brought it about like how would she have organized that in the time between the night before whenever she decided to go in the morning but maybe you're well, right that's um, that's
1: a good point point. Yes, plus the person could. on the other end of the phone would have to be a really smooth performer to pull off such a convincing act <laughs> so yeah. maybe it wasn't but you know still it was just it was a nice yeah. little moment there
0: um, I thought Jimmy looked very dejected during this moment, oh, you know, God. he definitely thought he'd be able to to solve it and still remain in good conscience, like at least end on a positive note, but, um, yeah, he felt really bad about what happened to, um, so Kim tells him that they have to pay back their clients and forget they ever heard of hired Hamlin. And then um, she pretty much Mike drops and storms out. She said, you know, if you think you've lost everything, um, they have no idea and she goes and jimmy stays back and joins her a minute later and she knows that jimmy has given them the cash so jimmy felt bad and gave them the money anyway yeah um
1: that's right and so when they yeah, get back out to the nice car comment. yeah kim uh, makes that comment you gave them the money didn't you and then um when they get into the car jimmy says sheep and wolves
0: i know
1: yeah and it's such a layered comment because who's the sheep and who's the wolves in this situation
0: well, I you know? think he's implying that Kim is the wolf, I think, is what he thinks. That Well, um, yeah. Of course, the sheep and wolves goes back to that moment in his dad's store where this all started for Jimmy, where he realized that there was the scam artist who scammed his dad out of the cigarettes and the money. And um, Jimmy was serving him after his dad had gone off to find something for him. Like his dad went off to find something and... Um, the guy said, There are sheep and wolves. There are sheep. They're... Are you a sheep or are you a wolf? You know, you have to make a decision. That's right. Um, and then this is him saying the same, like sheep and wolves to Kim, that, that he never saw himself as a wolf, but Kim is a wolf, you know?
1: Well, I mean, I, I think it's like a moment of, it's, it's really almost the first time that Jim has a moment of self awareness yeah. where he's like realizing what it means to be the wolf in the situation.
0: Oh That's yeah. Okay. There's a
1: moral consequence.
0: Yes. Okay.
1: You know, and we haven't seen Jimmy react that way. Of course, he's been looking guilty uh, and yeah. having guilt expressions for the last couple of episodes, but, but here he actually directly comments to the scenario, the the, the fact that well, he's almost becoming aware of what, what this means, the implications.
0: Well, I think up until now he's felt guilty about helping people who have committed the the wolf acts like um helping Lalu get out of jail whenever he had murdered that guy and mm. like so he's he's felt guilty whenever he's helped other people get away with things but this is the first time that he's been the perpetrator of the act not right. not the first time obviously that he scammed anybody he does it all the time yeah um, but to him it was always about the best intentions you know like he scammed chuck because he wanted him to win the big case and right you know, so he always justified it by saying that his intentions were good mm. whereas here there is no good intention they they ripped off and scammed betsy and craig into being those character assassinations for mm. the, the good of themselves there was no positive there apart from right. the very end, the very end yeah. yeah so i think that's the difference that he is now seeing himself as the perpetrator of these horrible things you know mm-hmm. not that yep. betsy and craig are angels they've been ripping off their clients <laughs> you know so it's not yeah. there but they were built into such likable characters and now again we see that they're being taken down and we almost feel a bit sorry for them you know almost like lalo and nacho and jimmy himself you know that we're being shown that the bad guys are actually nice guys <laughs> yeah know?
1: it's weird it um, is
0: strange yeah um, and, yeah yeah so wolves and, then, and sheep was an interesting in common. And then we see that Jimmy's being followed. I know. This ominous moment where it, I love, they, they're so good
1: at doing these little things. They're just so good at yeah. these little touches where the car, Jimmy, speeds off aggressively. Um, I can yeah. only imagine that Kim's in the car like, oh, fuck, what are you doing? <laughs> Jesus Christ, slow down. Um, <laughs> totally, <yeah. but laughs> then as they pull off into the distance, you hear this, en- this other engine starting up. Yeah. before you see a car and you're like, wait a minute, where did that come from?
0: And then (laughs) literally a
1: a short moment passes before the car slowly creeps into shot. Yeah, for sure. And is
0: in the car.
1: Well, it looks like Mike's car, but it's not a clear enough shot to determine that.
0: I know. So yeah, who's following Jimmy and why? And that's where we're left off. I know. So we've got some really, really great teasers, like what's going to happen with Nacho? What's gonna happen with Jimmy? Like this is a really intense couple of episodes so far. Brilliant.
1: Everything's happening really fast. And it's like um yeah. there have been times during um the entire series where they've slowed stuff down. And I wonder if they're gonna do that next, slow it down a little bit. Yeah. Or if we're literally on a roller coaster ride till
0: for the till whole the end. of this season. Yes. yes. Yeah, yeah. I think they're gonna do this in two parts. Like I read that we're gonna get the first six episodes and then another six episodes, maybe. Oh, 12? I think it's either, I think I read that, but it may be it's the oh, first five and then another five. But apparently this goes on until like July. How many weeks is that? The end of June. Oh, that that's cool. Weeks? Okay, I don't know. Um, and then we get the second half of the season two. Um, so there's a break mm-hmm. between the two. So I wonder if we're building up to a big cliffhanger at the at the midway point. Yeah. Um, but certainly a really great way to kick the season off. Definitely mm-hmm. brilliant two episodes. Um, the return of the Kettleman's is a real highlight for me, Betsy's like one of my favourite characters, she's great
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, so yeah that's that would be the highlight I think, that and the very opening scene of season one I think was just such a treasure trove, I'm going to go yeah. back and watch it again actually and see if I can spot anything else.
1: Yeah I might do that too um, yeah you know you know who would be a great character to have their own spin-off series Betsy <laughs> <laughs>
0: Betsy and Craig, what happens next? Perfect, you know, it should just be next called next Betsy segment? and Craig. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or just Betsy. It would be really good. It would Fuck be really man, good. it would be so awesome. She was just so hurt at the end of this scene. She was just so hurt. It's so yeah. sad in a way, you know, to see that. Yeah. Um, because she's just so nice. She's so positive. Not yeah. nice, she's very fake, but she just comes across as being... um nice I guess yeah it's the
1: it's the weird combination of the proper person and also like we talked about the the extreme sort of apparently seemingly a sociopath but who has their family's best interests at heart
0: yeah that's right you know (laughs) a very narrow moral circle I um, <laughs> know. She said she just wants her life back. She just wants it to be like it was before, but nobody can make that happen. Even if Jimmy exonerates them, they still can't have their lives back. You know what I mean? They're well, still that's kind of it. Life.
1: Th- that's the comment too. The you, what, it's very, you can't get back on a road. You can't get yeah. off a road once you're on it. And yeah, that's it writ large on the,
0: on the Kettleman's lives there, you know? For sure. I just wonder if we'll see them again. Like, again, we're leaving them here without... Um, without a clear end to their storyline, like are they going to pop up again? I can't imagine that they will but it will be interesting anyway you never know Um, but yeah, a really great episode, is there anything else you want to add? not really, I think um, the
1: themes are strong, they're continuing and I don't know if there's much point in having an extensive conversation about all the themes now because I'm sure we'll get plenty of opportunity going forward
0: but um, yeah yeah i really loved it these two episodes were brilliant i really mm-hmm. enjoyed them yeah. um i just can't wait now for the rest of the season like i'm really glad that they're doing it one episode a week because we have we're being forced to pace it like we can't just fucking binge it you know <laughs> yeah um i'm really glad but yeah can't wait to see what comes next um make sure you write this and tell us listeners if if there's anything that we've missed that you think are really important points give us a shout at soul Re- rewind at jim at Oh my God, if I could just get the words out. rewind at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram, although I don't think there's anything on there yet. There probably will be um, shortly, but yeah. And at thatrewindshow.com. Give us a a like and a follow and subscribe and write us a review if you think we're any good. Um, But yeah, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. Thank you.
1: I appreciate it too.
0: Yes. And we hope you enjoy it. Let us know if you enjoy it. You know, yeah. If you make it this far, maybe you just listen to the first 20 seconds and then turn off. Who knows? We'll find out. Will we find out? I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, thanks anyway.
1: And be sure to take in the existing three episodes, once they get edited and posted, of yeah. our 80s movies your kids can't miss. Yeah. What is the 80s movies to share with your kids that your kids
0: know? No, it's the 80s movies your kids can't miss. You had it yeah. right the first time. Yeah. And they haven't been posted yet, but they should be added within a week or two. And you can find those. Um, at that rewindshow.com. I don't know what the podcast will be called yet will it just be that rewind show I you think it should probably be that rewind show for the 80s like, no, yeah so is the channel for that the 80s movies your kids can't miss well I guess it'll have to be won't it yeah okay so um, look that up wherever you listen to your podcasts in a few weeks time yep I've just realized that Throughout these seasons, we've been saying, make sure you, you check out our other podcasts, but they don't exist yet. Like we've recorded <laughs> a few of them, but we haven't posted them yet. So um, we'll be posting them soon. So check Yeah, we out. better so get far, on we... that now that people are listening. <laughs> 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 Either that or stop telling them about it. Um, so far we've done Ghostbusters, the original Ghostbusters um, from the 80s. We've done um, Batteries Not Included, ET, that's um, it is there a third is there just the three there's the three um, um uncle Coming buck is we've next got uncle buck um gremlins the goonies yeah and a few others so yeah yep. check it out thatrewindshow.com for information and um, we'll let you know whenever it's posted Perf. thanks for listening Bye. bye